from the back of Ruth the Realtor's car, it's the Stacking Deed Show. I'm Ruth's neighbor and part-time mechanic, Doug, broadcasting live from the spacious, luxurious trunk recording studio. Feel like you're paying too much tax? Not sure where to invest your real estate fortune? On today's show, we answer both of those questions as we welcome top military writer and real estate investor, Kate Horrell. In our headlines, what's better than a tire iron in your back? Seriously, this thing is jabbing me like right here. Okay, let me move that. All right. Fannie Mae, that's what. Fannie Mae is changing the game for some landlords, and it could be a huge opportunity. What's up? We'll share. Plus, what happens when a guy comes to work on your house and he does work you didn't plan on? We'll dive into a TikTok video that might be hard to believe. And don't you worry that little head of yours, because I'll still bring you your weekly property pop quiz. And now, two people who are the peanut butter and bananas of this podcast, Joe and Crystal Hammond. Well, hello, Joe. I think I'm the peanut butter. Because <laughs> I like Reese's. Well, Joe, you have to call me bananas. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I'm the Savannah Bananas. That's a good baseball team. There oh, you go. Yeah. Never heard of that. Oh, you haven't? Oh, oh Crystal, on. you got to look into no. them. You do. They're so it's super fun. Baseball's Savannah an afterthought. Bananas. Baseball's a total afterthought. It's like Harlem Globetrotters on a baseball field. They're so much fun to watch. Ooh, yeah. okay. So I will fun. look up Savannah Bana- Listeners, we have some homework to do if you haven't That's heard right. of them either. But welcome. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Real Estate and Baseball Trivia Podcast. She's Crystal <laughs> Hammond. I'm Joe Salci. Hi. Crystal, what's going on with you today, my friend? Well, I survived Halloween. I did not eat all the candy that I thought I would, which was great. I did dress up, but unfortunately, my grocery store had the Girl Scouts, the Thin Mints version of the cookies, and I ate them all, two sleeves, yesterday. What is that? Who's the comedian with that joke that says they don't stop eating Girl Scout cookies when they're full? They stop when they're ashamed of themselves? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they stop when they run out, when the box is empty. (laughs) Well, we got a great show. I heard a rumor that we might be picking up a Kate Horrell along the road today as Ruth drives us around the neighborhoods. Ooh, a premonition. Uh, yes. Use that for the lottery. Okay. It'd be fabulous. We're going to talk 1031 exchanges, Crystal. We're talking tax tips today. Last week, we got you know pretty basic with Tiffany Grant. We talked about the foundation. Today, we're going to get a little bit more in the weeds. We're going to give you some of the tactics you can use when you buy real estate. So sit back, relax. We're going to have some fun. But before that, Crystal, for house hackers out there, there's a new program. This could be cool. Oh, yes. Fannie Mae. Fannie Fanny. Yes. We're going to talk Fannies in our headlines. So let's get the show started. <laughs> Nothing Doug likes talking about more than Fannies. This is word. a <laughs> headline. <laughs> From nationalmortgageprofessional.com, but you can find this everywhere. Some industry news is written by Christine Stewart. Christine writes, Fannie Mae slashes down payment requirements for multifamily homes to 5%. Fannie Mae unveiled a new policy recently that pop-up ad in the way. (laughs) Fannie Mae unveiled a new policy this week that will significantly reduce down payment requirements for owner-occupied two, three, and four-unit homes. Set to be effective the weekend following November 18th, the down payment will now be, drumroll, 
5%, a big decrease from the previous 15 to 25% requisite for duplexes, triplexes, and fourplexes. Crystal, the thing that people have to know, you have to occupy. This is for owner-occupied homes, but Crystal going to 5%, this could save our dealers a lot of money on that down payment. Oh, definitely. Because remember back in our March Madness episode where we compared every possible type of investment and house hacking was the best one. That was the winner. That's the easiest to do. So you get to buy a fourplex with only 5% down. This is huge. And it's a Fannie Mae loan, which that doesn't mean you're getting the loan from Fannie Mae. It's you find a lender who does Fannie Mae loans. And that's a great way to qualify for a nicer place too, because they actually roll in your potential rent that you will be collecting into what you can afford. It's super great. A quote here from Thrive Mortgage's Chief Operations Officer, Danielle Geyser. Danielle says, lowering the down payment threshold on two to four unit properties is such a critical enhancement to the guidelines for a host of reasons. Predominantly, it immediately becomes a golden opportunity for increased affordability due to the potential income generating possibilities, Geyser said. So, you know, if you're a deeder and you could afford this 5% down payment, how about having three renters, Crystal? And not only are you then living for free in the fourth unit, right? If you do this right, you're going to be living for free. And at the same time, you're probably bringing in additional income on top of that. Oh, that would be great. And it also works in, I believe, in different areas, the more expensive metropolitan areas too, because I know that currently in the D.C. area, it's well known said that the only way you're really going to buy something and it's really affordable is if it's a multi-unit. So just imagine owning a multi-unit and you can also do what other people do. They don't have to know that you're the landlord. You can hire that property manager. So you don't have to worry right. about. You're just their friendly exactly. neighbor. Exactly. You are their friendly neighbor who, who, hey, you know, man, we have a great landlord. They gave us free turkeys, <laughs> you know, for, for Thanksgiving. Those are other tricks that, you know, landlords like to do to increase morale. We're just not going to drop the turkeys from a helicopter. What's that? <laughs> the old through the WKRP windows. episode. God is my witness. I thought turkeys could fly. <laughs> that was a good show totally underrated good show that was a good show yeah there is an issue here i mean if you're going to jump into property crystal and you're going to go immediately to a quadplex i mean you do have to have your systems in place because of the fact Mm -hmm. that if you have all three of those not rented at the same time and you only did the five percent down payment your overhead, your liability is going to be huge. You should go back to that Tiffany Grant episode yep. and make sure you've got that foundation in place. You got to have a good emergency fund for yourself and an emergency fund for the real estate before you do something like this. Exactly. Do the numbers, do the worst case scenario. I remember years ago, there was a really good tip and it's like, okay, find out what you want to buy and then just save that amount for six months. So if that mortgage would be, a lot of times ends up being less, but if it's maybe like a couple hundred dollars more than what you're paying now, just save that for six months just to see if that's something you can do, if that's a new lift that you can handle. 
And then best case scenario, if you figured out, oh, okay, it wasn't that big of a lifestyle change. Now you have that extra money as a cushion also for when you start and when you buy. And the lenders love, love, love to see that. Absolutely. In this piece further down, a guy named Jeff Onofrio, branch manager of Onofrio Mortgage Group at Guild Mortgage, said this could help people start an investment career by house hacking. He said it could also offer competition to an FHA loan Mm -hmm. that requires a much higher down payment of 15 to 20%. This is what people have usually used. It's called a 203K loan. So I think, Chris, let's pivot for a second as we're going diving into these mortgage options and an FHA 203K loan, as we go to realtor.com is something that a lot of people used to use. It allows a home buyer to wrap any renovation costs needed for a home purchase into their mortgage, which is one loan closing. So a 203K loan for our new deeders out there, you buy a house, you want to renovate it. You just take out one loan. It's the house plus the renovation. You get it all together. Could be for the right person, Crystal, a great loan option. Oh, yeah. And I remember years ago, some friends of mine, they were actually doing this. And it was really cool to follow along with their journey. I didn't understand much about it before because it did. It seemed like something like, oh, that's pretty cool that they were brave enough. But sometimes a lot of people say, you know, you find the nicest house or the ugliest house on the nicest block because you are. That's another way to buy some equity. And a lot of times the homes need, I did some research, there are a couple of different types of loans because one of the loans is where it's just like a cosmetic fix. You're not fixing like the foundation or the roof, but then they do have the loans where you are fixing the foundation, you are fixing the roof, you want to customize some things. And the good news about this is there's a person that follows you along from the 203K program and they keep the construction loan portion of it. And so they help you with the contractors and the draws. Like they only get paid after they finish a certain amount of work. And that was similar to what I did when I had my renovation, when I bought the duplex, that I didn't get the money, but it was neighborhood housing services. They kept the construction money and then they sent the contractors to do the bidding for me also. So they did all the phone calls and the hard work because, you know, this is their program and they want to see it succeed. They want you to make the payments. And so they hold your hand and they help you out. So you're not going through it alone. And that was Megan Marsh. peace yeah. of mind for me. Yep. Well, absolutely. Megan Marsh, CEO of uh, CoLab Lending says in this piece, she calls these loans secret weapons. Sounds mm. like Crystal, that was the case for you. Yeah. A real secret weapon. They can help a buyer clinch a deal in an otherwise overlook home. Speaking of, by the way, being king or queen of your block, Doug went and looked at a bunch of houses for us, Crystal, when Cheryl and I were looking at moving back to Detroit. He was our like oh. man on the street oh. looking at different places. <laughs> that was fun. And trying to guess and, what somebody and, else might like in a house or where they want to <laughs> take one of their biggest investments in their personal fortune. Sight unseen. That was no pressure. With a wife and kids? <laughs> There was a house though, and I don't know, Doug, if you looked at this one for us, it was a house in Royal Oak, which is a suburb of Detroit that we looked at. It was a beautiful house. It had lots of great amenities, but it was clearly, Crystal, clearly the king of the street. It was way (laughs) nicer than the other houses on that street. And to be very frank, that was the reason we didn't go with that house Mm. was because 
the resale value is going to be held down by the neighborhood around it. Mm. Did you look at that one for us, Doug? I did. There was one, and I'm pretty sure is where they filmed Silence of the Lambs. That, that oh, you had to go gosh. To. <laughs> That's it scary. Was, like all of the individual pictures on Realtor.com or, you know, wherever we were looking on Zillow, all the individual pictures look great, but you get in the house and it was as though the homeowner did all their own additions and renovations and they just tacked on rooms and upstairs wherever they felt like or wherever it was convenient. So oh, there no. were all these weird passageways and just bizarre stuff. And it was next to railroad. Is that tracks. the house in Birmingham? Was that like the Crayola house in Birmingham? No, nope, nope, that was a different one. That was the 1989 house. No, this was also in Royal Oak. And it was next to some train tracks. It had like a... Oh, I remember this house. It had like a writer's... (laughs) Had like this adult tree fort out in the back that was like a writing studio that you thought you might be able to use. That was what attracted me to it because I could have a separate studio. I thought, I'll back. No, that was... And it turned out... Many people have lost their lives in that house. It's a good thing you didn't get that house. Yeah, it turned out, Crystal, that's where they keep the chainsaws. (laughs) (laughs) And the chainsaw bits. But another good thing about the 203K loan, too, is that so you're getting money to customize a place, too. So that way you get to pick out the new tiling and without doing a new construction and then going back to when you're buying it right, you're buying, you know, the not so nice property that's on a really nice block. And so you're going to buy into some equity because it doesn't look nice and it needs work. Yeah, there are two types of. 203k loans there's the limited and the regular the mm-hmm. 20 the limited is designed for homes that don't require structural repairs those are capped at a maximum of $35,000 in repairs there's no minimum amount of repairs that have to be made but that's for somebody who just needs to paint walls replace carpets do a minor remodel where the regular one is for houses that have more complicated construction projects like structural changes adding a room renovations that would keep you from living in the house yep while you're doing this stuff. We'll link to 203K loans in this brand new program from Fannie Mae, which frankly, you know, if you have to put less money down, you could probably just structure, keep that money to do your own renovations. And it's always good to have different options. Yeah. And then the tip they say is make sure you work with a lender that's familiar with these programs. So they speak the language. They know what the lender is going to require. So that way, when you're ready, when you found the house, you know exactly what you need to apply. You know what exactly documents you need so that the closing process can be as smooth as possible. Coming up, we're going to speak to a woman, hopefully, if she's, if, <laughs> if, Ruth, if Ruth finds her. We know she's walking down one of these roads. Assuming Ruth finds her, uh, Kate Horrell's going to join us. She is normally a military writer and expert on uh, veterans' benefits, but Kate has been through a couple things that Dieters need to know about. And I love it, Crystal, when we can find somebody who's just been through it, yes. not somebody who's a lender, somebody who is, uh, you know, hoping to get your business. Kate is somebody, and don't get me wrong, those could be great people, yeah. but Kate has done a 1031 exchange and Kate has also used a type of real estate that a lot of people know nothing about, which is Crystal called? DST, the Delaware State Trust. De- nope. 
Delaware statutory. statutory trust, in which Andrew Haber, one of our previous listeners, actually had a question about this a while ago. So this is a great follow-up to his question. And another thing to point out, Kate and I were at FinCon just chatting. This is what happens when you surround yourself with real estate people and they know that you're in real estate. She just started telling me this story and I'm like, hold up. We need this story on our <laughs> podcast. So you are going to learn a lot of cool stuff about the Delaware State Trust and 1031 tax exchanges in our terms, you know, like in regular speak, not in jargon, financial right. jargon. So while we direct Ruth to look in a couple streets over here, Ruth, I think you want to take a right. But Doug, you might have a pop quiz for our dealers. Sure do, Joe. Hey there, Dieters. I'm Ruth's wrench-wielding repair guru, Doug. And while Crystal and Joe were talking about Fannie Mae, all I could think of about was fannies. I love that word. Isn't it fun? Fanny. Fanny, 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 Fanny. Of course, saying Fanny in the U.S. is way different than saying it to our British Dieters out there, isn't it? In fact, if you're a Brit, I'd go get your earmuffs if I were you because the rest of this trivia is going to make you very uncomfortable or Randy, one of the two. Speaking of covering your fanny, it was back in 1800 that Paris outlawed women from wearing pants. Of course, they made sure women could cover their fanny with exceptions like when you ride a horse or a bicycle. Keep those fannies covered. You know who covers Fanny Mae's fanny? <laughs> it just... How many more times can I say it? The federal government, that's who. But here's today's property pop quiz question. What exactly is Fannie Mae's relationship with the federal U.S. government? I'll be back with the answer right after I go get my chapstick out of my fanny pack. Dieters, I'm uncertified Lincoln mechanic and Ruth's personal GPS because she hates the voice on Google Maps, neighbor Doug. Today we're talking about my favorite topic, fannies. No, not those. Fannie Mae, you pervert. Get your mind back on real estate. Today's question is, what's Fannie Mae's relationship with the U.S. government? If you said they were a government agency, you were so, so close. I feel for you and your oh-so-wrong fanny. Nah, the Federal National Mortgage Association, get it, Fannie Mae, you'll get it. And heck, let's throw in Freddie Mac and Ginny Mae as well, are all considered GSEs or government-sponsored entities, meaning they are not part of the U.S. government, but are implicitly backed by the faith and credit of the United States. This means the U.S. can ask them to make sure they fulfill the wishes of the government to make liquidity for loans and housing options that banks might decide not to take on. Now let's get our fannies to the next segment because we're hopefully about to be joined by military financial expert, writer, and real estate expert, Kate Horrell. Oh my gosh, Crystal, who is that on the side of the road? Oh, it looks like a lady of the day. Kate Horrell. <laughs> Wait, open we up the door. That is Kate Horrell. Hold on. Kate. Hey, guys. Hi. Come on in. Come, how are you? Oh, I've been looking for a ride. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> You're at the right place at the right time. <laughs> Thanks for seeing my thumb stuck out there. Now, Kate, I'm super well, before we hear your story, just to remind everybody, we are not 
attorneys. We are not your accountants, but we're going to talk to somebody, aka Kate here, who's used a couple things that uh, in real estate that our investors want to use. So Kate, tell us a bit just about your real estate experience. How did you start getting into rental properties? We bought our first property as brand new married people who couldn't afford groceries. And I thought my husband was crazy. <laughs> Wait a minute. To buy a house. This was not for you to live in. This was a rental property he was buying. No, we lived in it for a year gotcha. or two. Okay. Oh, cool. Yeah. And then we moved out of it and it was a rental for, oh my gosh, like 20. We'd almost fully depreciated it, right? Oh. We're at like 26 years of it being a rental. And we decided, as my wise friend said, that our house had expired and it was time for us to move on to a different investment. <laughs> well, explain what that means to people. Cause some people don't know what fully depreciated means. Like we love depreciation when it comes to homes and taxes. Yeah, but even before she does that, Crystal, I love the fact that Kate <laughs> termed it like the back of the milk carton. I right? like it. Yeah. Like there's this expiration date. It's time to go. <laughs> It was time for it to go for us. Still a fine property, but good question, Crystal. Depreciation is a tax thing. Most people call it a tax break, but then they aren't thinking about the other end of the equation, right? When you own a property that's in rental service or any property that's in business service, I mean, it could be your stapler, right? Mm -hmm. Every year on your taxes, the theory is that that property is becoming less valuable every year. Say you own a computer for your business and you go to sell it the next year, you're not going to be able to sell it for as much money as you got it, had it purchased it for. So the IRS lets you take that loss in value on your taxes each year. But the weird thing about rental real estate is that rental real estate doesn't usually go down in value. It usually goes up in value. So you reduce your basis, right, which is the number that the IRS uses to say this is how much money you put into this deal every year when you depreciate it. And rental real estate happens to be on a 27 and a half year mm -hmm. schedule. So if you did it the right way at 27 and a half years, the IRS would say, you now have no money in this deal, right? This is all Zero. like I don't know, funny money or something. <laughs> did that make any sense at all, Crystal? It did. Yes, it did. Well, it does. Like, let's put some numbers on this. You start with a house, let's say you pay $250,000 for it. That is your principal. And then as it appreciates, you have to pay tax in the appreciation. What you're saying, Kate, is you can start making that 250 a lower number according to a depreciation schedule. And that gives you a nice tax break today, but it creates a tax nightmare maybe down the road, potentially. Exactly. And that's the situation we were in. We had owned this house for many years and we had depreciated it almost completely. So we had a tax burden for that depreciation. Some people call it depreciation recapture. Some people call it unrealized section 1250 recapture. <laughs> mm -hmm. Which is the sexier name. All kinds of, <laughs> some people just call it a real pain in the patootie. Right. And then you're also going to owe taxes because it's a rental property and you can't take the exemption for it being a personal residence, mm -hmm. you're also probably going to owe taxes on that appreciation that it may have made, like you said, Joe. So we were looking at a really substantial tax bill on the sale of this property. We were going to owe the IRS probably about $75,000. Mm -hmm. And so I thought to myself, self, 
<laughs> there might be some other ways to manage this situation. So wait, let's go back. All right. So because I just want people to clearly understand what this depreciation means. So you usually take there's a number I think is usually minus the land value divided by 27. And then you can claim that per year. So you were saying you probably will owe that 75,000. That's probably like that number like the over 27 years. So it's like, it's the whole aggregate. Like you get to claim a certain amount per year divided by the 27 years equally. But when you go to sell, then you pay all that back in taxes. That's taxable. There it's, you go. it's taxable, taxable money. Perfect. Now there are $75,000. It was in the two parts that we just talked about, right? Mm -hmm. Part of that was because of the depreciation we'd taken over the years. And I'm just going to throw in there that some people think, well, I just won't take the depreciation. Ah, you'd think that would work. But in fact, the IRS doesn't care if you took it or not. They're still going to charge you mm. the taxes on that money. So nice. The exact words are allowed or allowable. So whether you take the depreciation or not, you're going to pay the taxes when you sell. And then the other part of it was based upon the fact that we bought it for $95,000 and we sold it for $350,000, nice, right? Nice. So we got some taxes in there too appreciation. All right. So then next question, how do we avoid paying that $75,000 or that depreciation recapture? Sure. So if it is a rental property, which is what we're talking about on this show, right? Yes. And I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise we've been doing this all wrong. We're talking about free snacks, oh free snacks at the end of the meeting. Right. <laughs> Where's my popcorn? Don't you have any food in this I car? Don't you hate it when people hold their birthday cake hostage for the whole party? You're like, dude, I'm only here for cake. Yeah, I come digress. on. Oh, you're <laughs> yeah, so funny. Stop talking about cake, Crystal. You're making no, me Okay, angry. we do have to have Ruth stop at Sonic as soon as we're done. But anyway, <laughs> let's do this. Ooh, cherry limey. Oh, All day. <laughs> All day. Ruth, don't let him forget about this stop. <laughs> So there are basically two ways to avoid paying all these taxes. One of them is to die and leave the property to your heirs. Not my favorite option. Under yeah, the current no law, thanks, no thanks. right? They get a step up in basis to the value of the property when you passed away. Don't recommend. No, do not recommend this plan. So another option is a tax thing called a 1031 exchange. That's what most people call it. Because that's the number of the tax law part section mm -hmm. that it applies to. And what that means is you're going to take the money from the property that you sold and you're going to roll it into a, quote, like-kind investment. In this case, that means another real estate investment. Most typically, this happens that you sell one house and you go and buy another house. Sometimes you might get fancy and sell one house and buy two houses. Or you might sell two houses and buy one house, you know. This is your vanilla flavor 1031 exchange. Now, I want to make it really clear that this does not make your tax go away. It just kicks the can down the road until whenever you wrap up this financial transaction. But if your plan is to eventually go that probate route, maybe a 1031 exchange makes sense. Or maybe you know that something is going to happen in your life and you just don't want to pay the taxes this year, right? But you'll be fine paying them in four or five years or you think tax rates are going to go down or mm -hmm. something, whatever. 1031 exchanges are really popular. And so I started looking into 
How could we do that? Okay. Can I explain just that first one more? Because when you talk about probate court, Crystal, I think what Kate's saying is if you decide that you're going to own these houses forever, you're going to own your real estate empire forever, and you're never going to take the capital from the actual building, you're just going to live off of the rents, off of the proceeds from them, then you'll avoid this tax altogether. Your family will avoid this tax, right, Kate? I think that's what you're saying. Yeah, it is kind of magical. But it's also a trap, right? Because sure. some of us build up these little real estate empires and then you are stuck. You can't dive, you can't get out of it. And sometimes landlording is hard work. I don't know if any of y'all have had that experience. <laughs> That's where my hair went. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, there's not, not a lot of hair yeah. there. And as you maybe get into your 70s or 80s and your kids don't want to take over the management, you're like, ooh. Well, now what am I going to do? I can't sell. I can sell, but I'm going to owe a ton of money. Hence why these 1031 exchanges are popular. But if you're rolling over into another similar property, right? Another condo or another duplex, this doesn't make your burden any lower. But in our case, that was the plan. We were going to buy a condo in Arlington. And when you do a 1031 exchange, you can't get the money into your own possession. You have to give it to somebody, a qualified intermediary, who is designed to take this money and hold it for you until you make the name's next transaction. And when I was talking to my qualified intermediary and saying, we're selling this old house, I'm going to send you the money, let me sign our little contract, she said to me, are you rolling this into another individual property or were you going to buy into a DST? And I thought to myself... <laughs> Oh. DST. I don't know the answer to that question because I don't know what that right. means. Sounds like a bad rash. Yeah. It kind of does, it or itch. possibly a rock band. Right. Yeah, it could be DST. the DSTs. Oh, yeah. A K pop band. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> totally. So I thought, I better find out what this means <laughs> because I didn't know the answer. So I went out and I did a ton of research. I found a great firm that happens to be in a town that I'm very familiar with people so I could sort of vet them back door, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, does anybody know this firm who acts as a broker basically for these special things? And DST stands for Delaware Statutory Trust. Delaware Statutory Trust is a fractional real estate company that you can buy fractional parts of real estate. So kind of like a REIT, but very also very different from a REIT. But you can buy into larger products with many other people. And under the tax law, it counts as a 1031 exchange. Nice. So in talking to this broker, he said to me, well, you're not actually my typical customer. I thought, well, I want to know why that is, because maybe this is an important piece of information. He said, most of my customers are in their 70s or 80s. And like we were just mm. saying, they're ready to get out of the real estate game, but they don't want to pay taxes. So they're trying to find a lower management tool for their job. Oh. I said, oh, okay. Now, wait, do you live in Delaware? That's another important question. I do not. Perfect. You don't have to live in Delaware. You know how Delaware is? is. Mm -hmm. It's got special laws oh, yeah. and they make all these new fangled products and they put them in Delaware. No taxes. That's why. No state tax. 
and other stuff. I don't know <laughs> what kind of magic they have in the water up there, DuPont or something. It's not Dasani. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Dasani. That is so right. Is there any water around here? Come on, guys. Where's my bottled water when you get in the taxi? Why do we get water when we're going to do the Sonic stop? Oh, gosh. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so my husband and I talked about it. I kept talking to the broker because he was just a wealth of resources and, you know, the kind of guy who wants you to learn, even if he's not going to make a sale to you. That's just that's exactly helpful. who. Yeah. That's part great. of a teacher. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Exactly. And he threw out to me as an aside, when you do a 1031 exchange, there are pretty strict rules because, you know, the IRS is hooking you up. So, you know, they're going to make rules for it. And one of the rules is you have to identify what property you're going to roll that money into within 45 days. And the broker I was working with suggested, sort of as an aside, but maybe when you fill out that form that says what property you're going to buy, you just put us on there as your third option. Mm -hmm. You can identify three properties. And maybe you put the two condos you think you're going to buy and you put us as the third option. And everything was rolling along and our condo sale was going fine and we had an accepted offer and we were going to close. And on day 45 at three o'clock on a Friday afternoon, my mortgage broker called me and said, this deal is not going to close. No. And I was like, why is it always the mortgage company? It's always the mortgage company. It is. I'm telling you, Crystal, every single stinking time it's the mortgage company. And I could go on my rant again about mortgage companies, but yeah. Okay, Kate. Yep. Yeah. So in a hot panic, I filled out that form and I put the two condos that I now knew that I could not buy because this financing was not going to fly. And I put this DST as my third option. So when you're making this decision, like when you're saying, hey, I want to sell my house to get a new one, the clock start ticking 45 days, you have to close on something else. 45 days to identify, identify. from the sale of the last property. Now, what I did learn in this process is that people who are really good at DSTs, they actually strive to close within those 45 okay. days. But I was a newbie mm -hmm. and I didn't know that tip. And I couldn't see why that would make sense. But after going through this experience, now I understand why people want to be closed before the 45 days, because then if I'd say you've identified three properties and you don't manage to close on any of them, now you're back in the tax situation, uh, right? Yep. And I just want to be clear too, the DST has to be set up during that 45 days. Like you do, you can't get to day 45 and go, I'm going to identify this DST and I haven't done it yet, or can you? So Good question. And that's kind of where I was going. It might sound from where the conversation has been so far that a DST is just like a thing. It's like an IRA. And it kind of is in the sense that it's a structure. But to your point, Joe, you are actually investing in a N, a N Delaware statutory trust. You're investing in one of these trusts. Right. So yes, you have to have identified which trust you're going to invest in. You can't just write on your form, I'm going to put this in a DST. <laughs> you have to say the Delaware Statutory Trust of blank, 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 you know, per blank, 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 blank. How did you pick the blank, blank, blank? So when you sign up with a broker and they're almost always sold by brokers at this point in time, because it's kind of newish. Mm -hmm. 
they'll have like a little, I don't know, it reminds me of Etsy that you log in <laughs> oh. and you look at the different DSTs. It's kind of like looking at real estate listings. Yeah. And it'll say, this is an apartment complex in Tyler, Texas. And here are the attributes. And it'll tell you all about the market that they're trying to serve and what they expect their internal costs to be and what they expect to kick off in terms of monthly revenue. I don't remember, honestly, if they made a projection for what they were going to sell the property at when they were done. Because mm -hmm. I was kind of in a hurry at this point right, in time. Yeah. Oh, boy. Well, but that gets <laughs> difficult because, because then, you know, you're trying to do due diligence while you're sweating and you don't want to pick the On wrong a property. Friday night after yes. happy hour, I'm assuming. And I'm at FinCon. <laughs> but oh. So, yeah. I'm at a conference with you lovely people yeah. while this is all blowing oh up my on my phone in my pocket. Goodness. So these will generally be like a syndication type deal then, a DST. Yeah, pretty similar concept to a syndication. So you're buying whatever fraction of the larger deal your money will buy into. Okay, got it. What I did learn in this process is that the DSTs that have more favorable terms sell out real quick. Huh, that's of weird. <laughs> yeah. So for example, we submitted that information on Friday night and keep in mind now it's Saturday and Sunday and we closed on our purchase on Wednesday. Oh, that's fast. And we were the last person to get into our particular trust. Ah, so they'll take like a group of 10 people and say, Hey, put in your 10th and then you'll get a 10th of the profits. Exactly. Awesome. Now, Typically more than 10. Right. Yeah. In our case, we own just under 1% of an assisted living facility. Wow. Just the structure, not the business, okay. right? We're just in real estate. Collecting the rent. Yeah. And collecting the rent. That's so cool. When you talk about more favorable, I think I want to be clear about what you're talking about. Just by more favorable, you mean you kind of know when you're going to get your money back. You have a better idea and it might be earlier. Is that what you mean by more favorable? Actually, I've yet to see a DST that will tell you when they plan to get out. The typical range is five to 10 years. Okay. And this is definitely a downside to DSTs, at least right now. They're highly illiquid. Yeah, like a non-traded REIT. Yes. Yeah. At this point in time, unless one has popped up in the last you know week, there's no secondary market for these. Mm -hmm. Once you're stuck in until the people who are managing this trust decide that it's time for them to sell. On the flip side, even though they're highly illiquid, they're really great for estate planning. Because if something happens to my husband and I, instead of my four kids inheriting a share of this house in Virginia Beach and then fighting about what to do with it, mm -hmm. they're each just going to inherit a quarter of our share of this DST. So that is one of the things that is attractive, particularly to folks who are thinking long-term. Yeah, very, very easy transferability then. Cool. But your kids can't get out of it, right? right? They're stuck until the time rolls around. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But back to your question, Joe, about more favorable terms. In our case, we're Florida residents and Florida has no state income tax. So we wanted to buy in a state that had no state income tax. Awesome. And in particular, we just thought it made more sense to buy in Florida. Got it. So we limited our range to that. And then each DST will tell you what they expect to spin off in terms of monthly returns. 
So obviously, once we got within Florida, I was looking for the highest return that was available. But other investors may particularly want to get into a market. They might want to be in apartment. Student housing is hot right now. Hmm. Dialysis clinics, apparently, is a really, I don't know, something to do with federal law and they can't move. It's not my area of expertise. This is really great information. So then, so the return percentages, where are they on the range from, I guess we would say, you know, a savings account, a high yield savings account versus like, you know, a high yield bond. Well, yeah. So they are, I would say in the range of the high yield savings account, okay. right? We got in about a year ago at 6%. Okay. But that was the highest rate that I could find. And at the time they were ranging from about four to 6%. Now, if you were looking for, Maybe you could find higher in different situations. I don't know. But there's also some things, you know, just to you talk through this for a second for our Dieters. Sometimes you really got to look at that. And I know, Kate, you know this well enough. I just want to make sure our audience knows this, that a high yield can come with its own problems. If they're kicking out a bunch of money to Kate and something goes wrong with the property, well, then, you know, they're not retaining any of that money to work on the property. But with something as boring as a nursing home, the chance something go mm-hmm. bad. But you really got to kind of look a little bit at the operation because if I'm getting, you know, I mean, you see some of these things out there historically that will pay you a 10% dividend. You're like, why wouldn't I take that? There's about 50 million reasons why you wouldn't take that. If the return looks too good to be true, that means way, way, way more due diligence. And until you find out why they're offering the return that they are offering, I wouldn't go near it. You know, you got to make sure you understand why it's paying this magnificent because you know, if everybody could, everybody would, right? Right. But a nursing home paying 6%. And by the way, and in this type of economy with interest rates where they are, I mean, that seems pretty on the level. Seems very straightforward. Did you look at the management company, the people that did the DSTs, like how long they've been in it, how many they've done before this, that type of thing? You're nodding your head, yes. So I did. I will say that I probably did not do the level of due diligence that I would have done if I'd known I was getting into this in the first place. Right. If it wasn't day 45. (laughs) If it wasn't day 45. But I did do some research into the company that was managing it. One of the struggles I had getting into this is that there are a lot more costs inside a DST Mm -hmm. than there are inside my single family. Great point. Because there are accountants. There are all kinds of professional staff, lawyers. And it took me a little while to think that that was okay because at the end, this property is still making more money than the property that I sold. that I sold to buy into it, right? So I had to get past my thought of keep the cost low, keep the cost low, keep the cost low and focus on the net result, right. not the numbers on the inside. But you may end up seeing a little bit less on the back end then because of that, I would think, you know, because those internal costs being good point. It's the same with non-traded REITs, like the cost structure. Sometimes on the inside, you're like, what? I'm paying what? But somebody's got to manage it. <laughs> but 
I guess Kate is saying that, but the cash flow was good enough. It's like, okay, whatever the prices that were, the fees we're paying is giving us the great cash flow. So is that what you're getting every month, a monthly cash flow? We get a deposit every month. Nice. Like rent. Annually, it comes out to 6%. Nice. And then when the property sells, I own a share of it just as if I had bought it with y'all, right? Mm -hmm. So in theory, we will benefit from appreciation and all those sorts of things. Got it. Now, I wouldn't make any financial plans on that, but that's just me being conservative. That's fantastic. Thank you for walking us through both of those and through the DST. Oops. Yeah. So is the plan to get another DST? Is the plan to get another home maybe in Florida or? <laughs> so because it is a 1031 exchange, right? And you're exchanging an investment property for an investment oh. property. Could we hypothetically buy another home and rent it out for so many years and then go live in it? Yeah, maybe for us, for our situation, probably the plan is to just roll from DST to DST. I'm really liking <laughs> that there are no toilets that I'm responsible for in this building. <laughs> I'm really liking that the lease is for years, many, many years, and mm -hmm. not just 12 months. Mm -hmm. I'm so far, fingers crossed, right? I'm digging this thing. Cool. And you did say the cash flow was bigger than when you were renting out the previous place. So that's another huge plus that you wouldn't think about. And consistent, yeah. right? You know, with rental real estate, that you have good years and you have bad years. You've got the HVAC system in the roof year. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the year that everything's going great and you hardly spend a penny. Yep. And now somebody else is taking care of all of that. Let's talk about what you do normally, Kate. You work a lot with military, military families. I'm on your website right now when there's uh, military scholarships <laughs> for service members, uh, veterans, spouses, and kids, as an example. You've got PCS checklist. Talk about your work with the military for a second, because we're also coming up on Veterans Day. Yeah. So my website handles all kinds of information related to military and veteran pay and benefits. My company creates the same kind of content, but for other people. So you may find our work at military.com or Military Officers Magazine. We do webinars and curriculums and all kinds of things like that. But just for the day-to-day -day reading, the blog is the place to go. Yeah, and we'll link to it. Well, I say we. I think my good friend Crystal will link to it. Yes, she and I do refer to myself in the third person in the show notes. <laughs> I know you guys are getting a kick out of that. I even made a note that, yes, I'm referring to myself in the third person. You going to start waving like the queen too, Crystal? <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. Kate, thanks for helping our Dieters learn about 1031s. And hopefully we saved a bunch of money and also about DSTs. Yeah, you know me. Exactly. <laughs> are you down with DST? I'm down with DST. Yeah, you know me. That's hilarious. That's a good one. <laughs> well, I'm so glad y'all picked me up. Yes, it's time to get out. We're here. Yeah, we're <laughs> pulling into Sonic. So come on, let's do this. Joe owes me a cherry limeade. <laughs> Thanks again to Kate for joining us. Crystal, let's move on. You know what I found while we wait for the phone to ring? Mm -hmm. By the way, people want to ring our phone. How do they do that? You head to Stacking Deeds 
net slash voicemail and then we can hear your lovely voice us and all the hey actually congrats on us having over 70,000 downloads so 70,000 oh my gosh so your voice can be heard by all these cool people so yes. head to stackingdeeds.net slash voicemail so we can answer your question and by the way today's segment with Kate as you said earlier was a question from uh, Dieter Andrew yeah right? Andrew yep Yep. There we go. Yeah, good stuff. All right. So because we answered Andrew's question earlier, I just want to play this. I found this on TikTok, Crystal. You think we're about to hear some brilliance or air quotes brilliance? Air quotes brilliance? What do you think, Doug? Well, I always, I mean, I get all of my great detailed <laughs> encyclopedic knowledge off of TikTok. So I always go with genuine, real, sparkling, sterling brilliance. Uh, sterling Crystal. Well, yes. Well, this is from Ann Julie Baker, and I think Julie is brilliant, but well, maybe the subject of this might be air quotes brilliant. Let's listen. All right. Stupid news. I'm pretty sure a dude down in Georgia is fired for delivering goods to the wrong home. The goods in question, demolishing a house. He wasn't supposed to. Whoops. So there's this lady named Susan. She goes on vacation. She gets a call from her neighbor and her neighbor's like, did you order your house to be demolished? And Susan's like, no. Now for context, this house has been in Susan's family for a really long time. The taxes are paid up. It's well-maintained, but nobody lives in it. So I guess that's the good news in all of this. The bad news is that her house got demolished. The neighbor that originally called Susan goes over to the demo guy and is like, you're not supposed to be here. And the demo guy gives sass before reviewing the permit again and realizes, whoopsie doo he's at the wrong end packs everything up and he leaves does he put the house back together again like humpty dumpty no he doesn't it's just demolished the demo company in question told a local news team that they are investigating but susan said we haven't heard anything from them so will mm. anything happen we're investigating what <laughs> we're, we're checking it out he gave, but they're not telling susan uh, how they're checking it out he gave sass i hope susan sues his sass <laughs> oh, well done. I would have gone with what you did there. But Thank you, you very went much. Sass. <laughs> I went sass. Ninja. Ninja. That's awesome. Uh, Crystal Ninja hand. I had that right there with that. A little bit. What? Yeah, it wasn't demo. You know, they didn't come to demo my house, but we had a pretty major branch of a tree in front of our house fall down across the driveway, sitting eating dinner with the fam, and I hear chainsaws. Mm -hmm. What the heck is that? Did our neighbors also lose a tree? And I go out front and some guy and his wife are cutting up the big, huge part of the tree that fell and just take, I'm like, dude, what are you doing? It's like, oh, I saw that this fell. I was just thought I'd help out. It'll only, yeah. <laughs> and I don't remember the numbers. Like it's, you know, it'll be like, don't worry. I just thought I'd be nice. I'm only going to charge like 250 bucks. What? Okay. <laughs> Stop everything you're doing right now. And he threw me tons of sass. He mm -mm, acted like, here I am trying to be a nice guy and you're telling me to mm -mm. stop. Well, yeah, you're trying to be a nice guy for money. I didn't work. I didn't ask you for right. the money. I'm not paying you because I own a chainsaw. That's fabulous. That's, that's fantastic. That's, well, this goes back to what I said about having nosy neighbors. Can you imagine if they were investors that didn't know the neighborhood, didn't know their neighbors, and you know the neighborhood didn't like them, they would have let them demo the house like, oh, good, we never liked her anyway. Nope, this was a great member of the community that the neighbors liked. And the nosy neighbors were, you know, they fight your battles for you. So 
Jeez. Thank you, Susan, for having great nosy neighbors and being I know. Like I know. a good I like, person. I like my neighbors, but if that happened, I would let it go just for the, it'd just be hilarious. No. <laughs> just for the joke. <laughs> and I'd video it all, get my 15 minutes of fame. Oh, I mean, everybody wins. A whole demo. <laughs> You'd call CNN like, hey, you guys, get over here to interview me. Yeah, right. <laughs> I always think, you know, when you see these videos of like bad stuff happening to people and somebody's got the camera, I'm like, the guy holding the camera is kind of a crappy person. Yeah. Yeah, You know what I mean? They could be over there helping. Mm -hmm. They could be over there helping. Instead, they're like, dude, we're going to get lots of views (laughs) on this thing. This is going to be a minute. Look at how horrible their life is. That happens in almost every newsworthy event and some that aren't (sighs) newsworthy now. Yeah. Well, in this case, I think Julie's reporting there pretty brilliant. And for the dude, Demolishing the wrong house with bad. sass. Like, how do you do the wrong thing with sass? Like, <laughs> did you see how Crystal just said that? She did the whole <laughs> with sass, right? <laughs> like, she, you can't got say it regular. You gotta with almost sass. got whiplash. He's got to put sass in her sass. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Whip, the nerve. Whiplash. Yeah. I'm sure Crystal, you will link to this and. All of our stuff, actually, yes. you know, that was funny for everybody not involved, for us especially, <laughs> all of us eaters. But for everybody else, we've got, man, 1031 Exchange stuff today. Yeah. We've got the new Fannie Mae loan. We've got FHA options. 203K. Like 203K. Just good stuff. And you'll link to all that in the show notes where we can find. Exactly. At stackingdeeds.net slash show notes. And you will get a recap of everything today. And don't forget, you can send us stuff too. If there's something funny you think we should cover on the show, something funny you saw, you can drop it in the basement. Go to Facebook, our parent, the Stacking Benjamin Show, the basement. Go find us there. You could drop stuff there. You can even respond to the email, to Ruth's email that you get once you have the show notes because we love hearing from you. And clearly you are always on our minds because when we're at FinCon and when we're out about in the streets, we're asking our friends or ear hustling, listening to stories and like, hey, we need to have you on the show. Always ear hustle. Oh, I'm the ear hustle queen. I like that. I've never heard that before. I haven't either, Doug. (laughs) We've got some great guests. We found a FinCon. Kate's the oh, first of a few that yes. are coming up. Speaking of that, just like the mothership, the Stacky Benjamin show, we think of this as a marathon, not a sprint. Mm-hmm. So we go eight weeks and then we take a much needed week away. And actually what's funny is we're not away so much as we're making sure we can keep up. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so next week we are taking you back to one of our early episodes and Crystal, we're going to go back to one that's foundational. If you just yes. joined us on Stacking Deeds yeah. recently, you really want to hear this episode because, well, Crystal, what are we doing next week? Yep. That's the March Madness episode that I mentioned earlier where we break down, we have a bracket and there's 16 different ways you can invest in real estate and we break them down, process of elimination. We have some great guests on. We have Mindy Jensen from Bigger Pockets Money on. We have the lovely Tom yep, from House Money. Yep. And then we also did we have Lauren on that one too? Nope, Lauren's not on that one, but Alan Corey Alan is, Corey uh, is with on. Alan Corey is on that one too. And yeah. Joe. Duh. Joe is on it too. <laughs> That's the best part. That is the best, the best part. part. Crystal's there. Crystal's <laughs> Me there. too. That's the best part. So, yeah, so that's what we'll have coming for you next week. If you just, you know, wanted to, was curious about all the different ways that you can possibly invest, and then we pick a winner, which I won't spoil it. 
then the following eight weeks, we're working on some great topics, but learning how to change people's minds. Mm -hmm. That's one topic coming up. A gentleman who got out of real estate for a long time and is just getting back in. Why did he get out? Why is he getting back in? We'll hear his story. A woman who has built a really nice real estate empire. We're going to talk to Antoinette Mm -hmm. about her real estate empire. Those are three of the eight stories that we got for you as we finish out 2023. And now the year has flown. I can't believe it. unbelievable. This episode flew, Crystal. I know. I can't believe. I know. It's over already. All right. Speaking of over, it's not quite over because Doug hasn't told us what we should have learned yet. Doug, what should we have learned? Over. Nothing is over until we decide it is. First, take some advice from Kate Horrell. Turns out you can play kick the can when it comes to paying taxes when you sell real estate. Learn the basics of 1031 exchanges and you're well on your way to lower taxes today. Just realize that can is going to kick your fanny later on down the road. Thanks, Joe. Second, house hacking? Take advantage of Fannie Mae's new program. Ha! I said Fanny again. Fanny. Fanny, fanny, fanny. But the big lesson, don't say fanny around Joe's mom or Ruth. Those ladies have dirty minds. I'm talking about government agencies, Ruth. Clean it up. Thanks to Kate Horrell for joining us today. You can find out more about Kate's work and find links to lots of tools for veterans at katehorrell.com. We'll also include links in our show notes at stackingdeeds.net. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. At Stangy Law Firm, we represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. 